Hey, welcome back to the light of your day. This is your brother, your son, and your friend in the Lord, Kirby. So today we're going to be talking about sin. Now, before we begin, let's start with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come humbly before your presence. I acknowledge my need for you, and Lord, I don't know what to say today outside of what you've put in my mouth. So I pray, help me to adhere to the words that you've placed in my mouth and help me to speak accordingly, Lord. You're worthy of the praise, the glory, and the honor. And to you belongs the praise, glory, and the honor. So I pray in Jesus' name. Help me to honor your name, glorify your name, and praise your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. Talk soon. All right. So we're going to start talking about sin. Many times we as Christians see sin as such an elusive concept that we don't really know what sin is. The Bible talks about sin multiple times, mentions sinners 61 times. But even in the New Testament alone, the Bible calls Christians saints 67 times. So what is this thing called sin? To begin, let's start our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to take my scripture reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 to 11. It says, Dare any of you have a matter against another? Go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And even... If the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to the law against brother and that before unbelievers. <clears throat> now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to the law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Amen. All right. So that was so profound. It was amazing. Apostle Paul was addressing how some Christians would sue one another. And 
He was saying it was wrong because why would you sue another believer and the person you're choosing to judge between the two of you is an unbeliever in the court of law? He was like, is there no one in the church who's suited, who's wise enough to be able to discern the right and wrong in the situation to judge righteously? Whoa, that's super profound, super shocking. But then he went even further than that. He said, did you not know that you believers, that's you and me, right? We will judge the angels. Whoa, that's verse three. That's super, super deep that we Christians will judge the angels. And then he continued on and he labeled multiple sins. And said that, hey, these are sins. And that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's just quickly go through a few of them and break it down. For those who probably didn't really hear where I was reading, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's take our reading from verse 7. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to the law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So first things first. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. If someone's not in right relationship with God because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, heaven is not their home. The reason why a believer can go to heaven is because they were born again and they're called a citizen of heaven. Heaven is their home. Think of it like you going back home to your parents. That's what you're doing. You're going back home to your father because you were born from him when you're born again. But if you're unrighteous, you were never born from him. You were just doing me, uh, doing whatever you want in this world and living however you want, however you see fit. And then you expect God to just say, hey, you know what? Come in. But the problem is this. Jesus Christ died. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that God made Jesus to become sin, although Jesus has never sinned before, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So as a Christian, God transforms you into being righteous. But still, let's spend a little bit of time reading through and knowing what is sin. The Bible continues in verse 9 to say, neither fornicators. Now, fornication is when a person has intercourse before marriage. Sexuality before marital covenant, right? Um, so it may not just stop at just physical intercourse. It could be other things. Um, nor idolaters. Now, idolatry is, of course, when you choose another God outside of God and you worship it. But it can even be seen as Anything that you keep above God. There's something that I had to repent for as well, whether it be a hobby that I really liked or something that I just want to spend more time with than God. 
Not that I wanted to, but it's just you end up doing it, right? So no idolatry, nor adulterers. Adulterers or adultery is when you cheat on your marital spouse. Now, adultery can even go as far as to just thinking about cheating. Jesus says that if you look upon a woman with lust, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. So even the heart posture is important when it comes to sin. It's not just the physical action, but Jesus makes it down to even the heart. Right. Jesus said, for example, he said that if you're if you hate your brother without cause, it's seen as murder before God. It says nor homosexuals. Now, homosexuality, some people always try to say, oh, it's um, when men rape men. No, it's the affection and desire that pursues or, or, or persists into action. So when you desire the same sex and you lust after that person and go after them, some people call it love, but the Bible calls it lust. Sodomites, that's when you actually have um, anal sex, when a man has sex with another man and... Um, that's essentially what it is. Nor thieves. That's when you steal in secret, when you take things in secret without anyone knowing. It's not robbery because robbery is when you steal from them and they know. But thievery is when you steal what they don't know. So it can even be seen as stealing from a company, right? Um, some people go as far as to say stealing from um, movie theaters or stealing from movie production companies when you pirate movies or when you do whatever thing that you have to do. Some people go as far as to do things like that. And that's thievery when you steal time at work and things like that. It's very, very precise when it comes to thievery. But of course, some are kleptomaniacs and they steal from other people. Um, it's a nor covetous. That's when you strongly desire something, when you covet something to the point where you have to have it and you can't live without it. Lord, please forgive me for any time that I covet, Right? Nor drunkards. That's when you don't have self-control when it comes to drinking and you excess and you get drunk because of it. And it's a habitual thing where you become an alcoholic. Not only that, uh, getting drunk in itself is still a sin, right? Nor revilers. Now, revelry, let's get the dictionary definition of revilers. Just so I don't confuse you with it or confuse myself. It says someone who speaks abusively or contemptuously to another person or thing. So a reviler is somebody who they have a bad habit of saying evil things about somebody else or speaking abusively could be um, cursing someone out or, you know, how sometimes we would disrespect someone. You've seen those memes on Thanksgiving Day. Hey, this is Thanksgiving. My aunt better not say anything. I'm going to talk about how her baby daddy is this or uh, my brother better not say anything. I'm going to talk about how his girlfriend is this and all these different things. That's reviling. When you revile against someone, when you shake a middle finger at someone's face, essentially, verbally. Nor extortioners. Now, extortion is something that many people don't really know the meaning of extortion is the practice of obtaining something, especially money through force or threats. Think of it like paying. Um, let's say that 
someone has to pay you hush money so you don't say anything about something. Or when you threaten someone and you're like, if you don't do, if you don't give me this, then I won't do this. Extortion doesn't have to necessarily just be money. Some people extort through sex. Some people say, if you don't have sex with me, then I'm going to do this. And that's evil. It's wrong. And then the Bible continues and it said, neither of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Some of you are like this. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Now let's go over these three things, washed, sanctified, and justified. When the Lord washes you, the Bible says, though your sins may be as scarlet, he's going to make it as white as snow. He's going to make you as white as snow. Not your sin. He washes you from your sin. Your sin is still dirty. But he, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he puts your sin away from you. But he washes you. David said in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Right? Quicken me with a willing spirit. Make me an obedient spirit, Lord. And this is an amazing thing. When the Lord washes you, the Bible tells us if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He washes you from the shame of the sin. He washes you from those things that are just clinging onto you, those addictions, those things that you don't really want. He cleanses you. He does a really good job at it too. So the first thing God did for you when you came to Jesus, it's not a promise as in it's something that's going to happen in the future alone, but it's something that began the moment that you accepted Jesus. If you really accepted Jesus, he starts to wash you in his precious blood. He cleanses you from those sins, not just the sin itself, but even the desire to do that sin, the nature that he begins to transform you. So sanctification, sanctification is a process. Sanctification is making something holy. The process of setting something apart for God. Now, I believe that there's three forms of sanctification. There's initial sanctification, which is positional, where God calls you holy because he sets you apart from darkness to light. But then there's progress, progressive sanctification, where this is the process of God taking you through, hey, I'm going to let you. Um, do this, but this I'm going to deal with now. And then the other thing I'm going to deal with later, you have a cursing problem. Okay. I'm going to start dealing with that now, but your secular music problem, I'm going to deal with that later. I'm not going to deal with everything at the same time. I'm going to take you through a process. And although your position is holy in the spirit, your soul is being made holy through the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse two. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he begins to sanctify your mind and your thoughts start to become holy. Your desires start become, to become holy. You'd like to spend more time in prayer. You'd like to worship God. You'd like to be in church and do all these amazing things. But even outside of those liturgical things, outside of this, the programs in church you like to do righteous things with people you like to help people you like to encourage people it's your joy to see someone who was sad get right back to being happy again you want to see these things because your mind is starting to become holy your soul is being made holy 
Now, there's so many different references that references that can be pointed to this, but um, for the sake of time and from this just this prepared message, we're not going to get into it today. And the third point is justified. Now, I love to remind to remember justification in this cool, quirky little way of saying it. Justification is God presenting him presenting you to Himself. Just as if I have never sinned. He presents you as if you've never sinned. And the way that he can do that and still be a just judge is because all of your sin was placed on his son. And now, as far as God is concerned, there's no double jeopardy for you because your sin has already been punished. It's been paid for with a punishment on a perfect offering or sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God. So now God can present you as righteous or in right relationship with God as a saint of God. Uh-oh. Did I just say saint of God? Yeah, I did. The Bible says 67 times refers to the Christian, the born again believer, not as a sinner, but as a saint. That means in right relationship as someone who is destined to be in heaven after they die and somebody who's considered holy and blameless. Right. Am I confusing you? Maybe this will help. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22. It says, in the body of his flesh through death. Actually, can I start from verse 21 for context? Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 to 22. It says, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. That word is, you know, justify. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So God, through Jesus, presents you as holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So what's the catch, Kirby? What's the condition? Verse 23 tells us the condition. It says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. Right? That's amazing. So let's go into Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. And we're going to read from verse 19 to 21. The Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Which are adultery. We went over adultery, right? Adultery is when you cheat on your marital spouse. Or you are cheating with someone else's marital spouse. Or you're looking at someone in a nasty way, filthy way. And you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be thinking those thoughts when you look at that girl walking by. Or looking at that guy with his shirt off. Or whatever have you. Fornication is when you have intercourse before marriage. Or sexuality before marriage. Uncleanness. Now, we can say uncleanness in many different ways, but I want to say in the thoughts. When we have unclean thoughts. Perverted thoughts. Wrong thoughts. Maybe perverted thoughts may not just be sexual. It could be even evil thoughts about murder and gruesome things that we shouldn't really have in our minds. Lewdness. Now, lewdness is such a funny word. When I say this is because... Lewd, to be lewd is to be perverted. It's to be offensive, sexually offensive. To be a sex offender, essentially, in, in word or in action where 
you're the type of guy to be whistling at a girl walking by and sexually being really explicit and really a weird type of person, you know? But that's a sin. Now, understand when I'm t- telling you these sins, we're going to head somewhere with this. Um, idolatry. Now, idolatry is, like I said, when you idolize something, when you try and uh, create your own God, so to speak. Sorcery is the next one. Sorcery is when you start to do witchcraft and when you get into things that you shouldn't get into, when you try to illegally access God's power through a means that wasn't made available to you through the confines of his word. So we can think of sorcery as going to see a, a voodoo person or going to get your palms read or going to do tarot card readings or psychic readings and whatever thing you want to call it. Not just you going to do it, but sometimes you being the one doing it for other people. Hatred. Now, we know that hatred, as we said before, Jesus sees it as horrible as he sees murder. And the Bible says that you shouldn't hate your brother without cause. You're in danger for doing that. As a believer, you should know that hatred is a sin. Why? Because love is a command. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't hate evil? No, hate evil, but don't hate people. The Bible says that we overcome evil with good. Like even the devil himself, you don't say, oh, I hate him. Why? Because hatred isn't a part of you. He's already under your feet. You are a being of love. You don't love the devil. The devil is just a non-factor in your Christian life when it comes to your love. But you still have righteous indignation to where you're angry against him. But even Jesus himself didn't hate Satan. Jesus didn't give us that example to follow to show he hated Satan. He even had a conversation with Satan. He didn't just say, get away from me, Satan, the moment that Satan came. When Satan tempted him, he defended himself with the word. And then he said, be gone from me, Satan. And then the Bible said that Satan was waiting for another opportune time to come. So hatred isn't in the confines of the spiritual life. Now, contentions is a little bit different than hatred. You ever met people who they're very contentious? They always want to start arguments over little things. Some of us are like, yeah, I'm, I'm dating that person. Or, yeah, that person's my mom. Or, yeah. <laughs> Contention is always provoking someone to an argument. Where you're always trying to instigate an argument. Something that you always try to do to make someone argue. And usually contentious people are narcissistic. They just thrive off of the negative energy of yelling in an argument or cursing you out in an argument or making you feel stupid. They're contentious. And the Bible says that that's a sin or that's a work of the flesh, actually. Sorry. Jealousies. We know what jealousy is when someone else has something that you feel like you deserve or you feel entitled to it. So you're not happy because the other person has something that you don't have. That's a work of the flesh. Outbursts of wrath. That's when you snap, when you finally get so pressed up that you're just, ah, you just snap <laughs> and you just get upset. That's an outburst of wrath. Some people say, oh, I've blacked out. No, you didn't. You just felt good when you were getting angry. You felt so good, punched in the wall and it made you feel good until the anger faded, but the pain didn't. 
So, selfish ambitions. When you live your life full of me, 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 and you're not thinking of him, 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 him. You're not thinking of Jesus. When everything, all the decisions that you make, even helping another person, all you're thinking about is what do I get out of this? Dissensions. When you start to, let's say, um, what some people do is they cause discord between friends and then they kind of have their own little group. It's a disagreement that leads to discord. To where, you know what, you're just like, you know, I'm so upset. Let's just go our separate ways. That's dissension. Heresies. Now, we know what heresies are. Heresies are when someone blatantly says something false or blatantly says something deceptive against the truth. Someone that says something so outlandish and it completely, utterly disregards the truth. It's a heresy. Many people preach heresy. Jesus said in the last days, there will be many false prophets. Now, I'm not here to bash anyone and have you leave this podcast saying, wow, I know 12 of them. Like, no, nah, you still got to show the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to these people. Pray for the people you don't like. Yeah. But just so you know, heresy is when someone says something completely contradictory to the truth of God. Not the truth as in just a humanistic way of thinking, but a genuine truth. So, next thing you know, we have envy. Envy is... Murders, drunkenness. I'm sorry. <laughs> Give me one second. It's just a lot of people are talking in the background. Envy is when you desire something or or when someone else is getting something better than you, better treatment than you, and you're not happy because they're getting promoted and you're not. Murders, when you kill people, innocent people. Drunkenness, when you are an alcoholic and you drink a lot. Revelries. Now, revelries are wild parties. That's when you drink a certain amount of alcohol in a crazy way. Like, oh, you usually hear the word lit tied to revelries. Where it's like, wow, this party is lit. This is amazing. And you, you have the alcohol, you have the weed, you have everything. And that's, that's a work of the flesh. And the like. And then Apostle Paul continues and he says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So let's pause right here. We went over many different works of the flesh. And here's what I wanted to get at. The Bible says in Galatians 5 verse 16, it's possible to live in such a way to where you do not habitually commit any of these. Of course, if you make a mistake, that's that's a part of the human experience as you're living on this earth in the physical body that you have. But the Bible does say in Proverbs 24, verse 16. 
or is it Proverbs 26, verse 14? The Bible says that the righteous fall seven times, but get back up again. Meaning even though they fall, that didn't stop their identity of God seeing them as righteous because they got back up again. But still, Galatians 5, verse 16 says this. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The secret to not fulfilling the lust in the flesh is not just to kill the flesh, but to walk in the spirit. In fact, you can't really heal the flesh without walking in the spirit. So walk in the spirit and you'll see that these different sins that we labeled aren't attached to your Christian life. There's something that was, hey, I used to do that. Like Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Some of you used to do these things, but you're washed, you're sanctified, and you're justified. So I'm here to just tell you, there's a whole realm of possibilities that you may not have explored yet. And if God led you to this podcast, it's to invite you to a higher level of thinking, a higher level, just like he told us to do in Colossians chapter 3. What did he say in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1? It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Whoa, Lord, help us to set our mind on things above, especially me. I feel like after this um, winter break, my mind has just been focused on different things, things of this world, things that may not be a sin, but they may not be a real invitation for me to think about either it, it it could be just what scripture call vanity lord help me and lord help the person listening to me too so let's pray together father god in the name of jesus i thank you for your mercy thank you for your grace lord thank you for who you are lord i pray that you wash us and cleanse us help us to know who you are on a deeper level your word says that we need to put to death the members that are on the earth, the fornication, the uncleanness, the passion, the evil desire, the covetousness, which is idolatry. Help us to love you more than anything else. Lord, I repent for covetousness myself. I repent for evil desires. I repent for passion. I repent for uncleanness. I repent for any of these things, Lord Jesus, if they may be in my life to any degree. And I pray for the same person who's listening to me. If they have anything that is in their life that may in any extent be affecting their walk with you or their walk in the spirit, cleanse them and wash them from it, Father, because you deserve the glory and the praise. And I thank you for this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Kirby. And I just want to say thanks so much for tuning into this podcast. You know, I really want to say thank you for all your continual support and for consistently listening and all the different things that you're doing. Even if right now, some of you, I'm just speaking by faith. Even right now, if some of you just turned in for the first time, I want to say thanks for clicking on this link. And I want to pray that God touches your life and that God touches you and your spiritual walk with him. Because my goal is to make disciples for Jesus. So if this message by any chance helped you get closer to Christ, 
I want to invite you to send it to at least three people. And again, God bless you. Amen.